Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Here we go. Bobby McLaren, Bobby Mack or Robert McLaren, and we'll get there. Uh, born and raised, now living in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, alum of Liberty High School, Navy football senior 04, wearer of number 51, uh, went SWO. Uh, currently the director of sports medicine partnerships at Lehigh Valley Medical, um, a nonprofit founder, uh, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about it, uh, of Five Star Heart Project and Nike Coach of the Year Clinic. Um Previous stages of the journey, um, you were a manager for a glass crushing processing plant, commodity sourcing manager as a buyer um, for gas delivery systems, uh, manufacturing manager there, and then furloughed during the spring of COVID, right? And we'll get to that part of your story. Um, commodity procurement specialist now, like I said, director of sports medicine partnerships at Lehigh Valley Medical. So uh, that's who we're talking to today. Uh, really excited for those that don't know. And uh, actually, Bobby is the guy that um, got this jersey for me that's hanging up in my background. So uh, a graduation gift. Uh, I'm glad I got I have it so I can put it in the background. Um, lots of memories here. Can't wait to keep on getting to the story. But memories section for Bobby Mack is pretty big. So we're about to, <laughs> Go figure. We're about, we're about to get into that. It's all appropriate, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's kick it off with Jeff Lennar. Um, this is a pretty cool story. I, I never knew it until he just told me it recently, right? So um, he remembers watching your bowl game, you know, as a recruit uh, and, and watching that game and being like, dude, 51, this guy is something different, something he wanted to be a part of. Right, that program he watching you play. Fast forward at I Day at Naps, he's like, "There's the guy, right?" Because you were one of our coaches. You were there on I Day. Yeah, yeah. And he said he felt like a little kid that met his hero. So, uh, Austin Milky, uh, he brought up the you had to beat a female Naps detail on consecutive jumping jacks, and Ose brought that up too. That you were oh, doing I jumping. That. Jumping jacks in the gym, and we walked by. We're like, what the heck? He's like, we walked in, we walked out. You're still doing them in the thousands. What was that? <laughs> I don't know, Tony. I can't even remember that. Now, now I do though. You know what I'm saying? Somebody challenged me. I'm like, you know what? Nobody's beating me at this. Let's go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, Craig Schaefer. He said uh, he remembers you wearing your uniform for the first time at Naps at an away game. White socks, no cover, and an E-Rob, another TAD coach for us. Uh, Eric Roberts was expecting that to happen. He told Craig that. Like, come on, Bobby. <laughs> I, I don't remember that, but probably that was uh, – that may have been the case. Nice. Um, he also said, your wife, Kate, thankful for some of those good 
homemade meals up in Newport, Rhode Island when we were. I remember. Masters. Yeah, yeah. We had that small apartment, right? We Kate took care of you guys. Absolutely. Man, Craig Schaefer, too. The stories about him. He was he had a few loose screws in his head, too. No doubt. Don't we all? Uh Jordan Eddington. The Notre Dame pregame speech of 07. And uh, as we get into your nonprofit, Five Star Heart, um, we'll, we'll talk more about that. What stood out to me from that speech was, this is what that gold helmet means. And we'll get there too, right? Awesome. Keep your Jake, eyes on the prize, right, Tony? Absolutely. Love it. Uh, Jake Biles. He said, you're the torchbearer of what it meant to play Navy football. Tough, disciplined, high energy every play. His attitude brought something to the whole entire team that the team embodied. Um, and, you, you know, really helped drive the turnaround of, of Navy football back then. Clint Bruce. He's got a, he's got a memory or two. Uh, fellow Navy, uh, Navy football number 51, um, wearing beast. The first time watching you play, he thought, if you could bottle up his heart and his motor, it would be a controlled substance. <laughs> That's classic. Nice. All right. So <clears throat> those are the, the first of the group. The last group's a little bit closer. So there's this uh, trio of folks, you know, you included, uh, what do you call that? A, a quad something of, of guys, linebackers. From Naps, you go to Navy, and y'all all are linebackers through that whole entire process. Uh, first one's Dustin Elliott. Um, Jumbo. He, Jumbo. Yep. He goes by Jumbo. The next yep. one, TJ Costello? Castillo. Yeah, TJ Costello. And then finally, Lane Jackson. So Dustin Elliott uh, brought up your daily intensity, 110% all the time. Uh, he remembers, you know, the, the the memory that stands out the most to him was ru you running around at Air Force, uh, smashing folks, breaking up passes with the club, uh, cast wrapped up with the boxing glove. Um, really, the turn um, is another part of that story that he brought up a little bit as well. But TJ also brought up the turn, and the turn is was by a core group of guys. The turn in the in the program, the turn in momentum from that zero and ten season to the ten and two. Um, TJ said the turn of, it was was driven by a core group of guys at Naps Navy classes 0405. The mentality, the work ethic, refusing to accept mediocrity, and Bobby was the keystone, the catalyst that bridged the two classes together because um, you did two years at naps right yeah two, two years right tore my acl yeah. that first year right as man to think back that day you know I, honestly tony like i remember that day it was right around now right and yeah. um you know i was with the the naps guys the first nap class so that was naps class 99 2000 right and uh i remember doing a shuttle run right right up in the in the gym there Went through the line, deaccelerated too quick, and there goes my knee. Right, and coach, the coach at that time, the linebacker coach said, "Hey, Bobby, why don't you try to walk it off?" Well, my ACL was torn. There goes my LCL and my PCL. 
Because uh, so, you're that type of guy. You're like, okay, I'll walk it off. And so, then, yeah. Oops. And then, <laughs> so I, I, honest to God, Tony, like, I remember, man, like, those couple days afterwards, I called my mom back at home. And I'm like, you know what? You know, do I, you know, just contemplate and do I stay here, right? You're up in Newton Naps. You know how it is, right? Newport. Yeah. Like, holy smokes. I got to come back. I'm like this far, like, having a great offseason, like, ready to roll. And, you know, you just got to stick to your gut and say, I'm not quitting, right? That's the mentality that we all had, right? We ain't quitting, right? And then fast forward, right? I met I met those guys, Jumbo. Like, that first Naps class was Ben Matthews, Shalimar, those guys, right? And then Shalimar Brazier, Ralph Henry, um, you know. And then you go and fast forward, right? The next year, right, came in uh, Dustin, TJ, and Lane. And uh, I was the guy essentially – Drove back up to Naps, taking classes at Rhode Island, right? And I was just rehabbing at that time. But it was like, you know what? I was, I ain't quitting on this. I'm here. Let's go, right? So, um, you know, that's how it kind of evolved. And I think the way TJ had kind of said it right there to you is like, you know, I was kind of like the bridge between both classes. And, you know, what? Well, one thing about the Navy Football Brotherhood, right? They took care of me, like, throughout nice. that process, right? You know, I was getting calls from like Ben and them, I would go down with the, with the 2000, 2021 <laughs> class, right. We would go down and watch some games like Ben would always say, you know, everybody, how's Bobby, right. Everybody good. Right. And, uh, and then I had my other brothers and I was more like the grandfather of them. Right. I'd been through naps, <laughs> knew the way it naps, right. The TJ Lane and Jumbo say, Hey, look, you got to get through this. Here we go. Right. And, uh, anyways. Awesome. Yeah. Last, last, uh, memory submission here. A guy named Lane Jackson. You and him played inside linebacker together. He was your, uh, you know, partner in crime. You guys kind of fed off each other, strengths and weaknesses wise. You know, um, at least that's what I gathered from uh, a news article that I found from you know back in two thousand four. Uh, he's got a few memories. One is, um, and there's a theme here. Bobby had the biggest heart on the team. A heart that bled through that bled through for others specifically, especially for, for others. Um, the next one, there were two Bobbies. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Cause I think, <laughs> I, go. I think I knew it <laughs> about the same time he said it. Um, there's Robert McLaren that uh, went to school and, and Robert also courted, um, his future wife, Kate, and when he's around Kate, he's still Robert. And then there's Bobby Mack. And Bobby Mack um, came out at every practice and every game, and sometimes on Fridays and Saturday nights. Uh. <laughs> a little play hard, party hard in me. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Rob also, Quinn was the d- domesticated folk, right? That was like the domesticated, uh, d- you know, the the, the dom- domesticated person. And then, you know, when, when you know, you work so hard, d- darn hard at the academy, right? You got to come mm-hmm. out a little bit. Yep. And uh, and you said it one time up at Naps that I'll never forget, and I've already brought it up in a podcast or two, is this is your release, baby. Bobby Mack that- on the field. There's your release. Right. That, that, yep. That's it. I used to always tell you guys, right? Like you come out here right after a long day, there's, there's nothing, no better feeling than hitting. I don't care if it's your teammate hitting something 
Yes. Right? Just hitting something. After a day at the academy and after all the stresses in life and academics, <laughs> it's like you still have that void. Even to this day, 42 years old, right? I can't hit anybody anymore. I just run hill sprints at 5 in the morning by myself through Bethlehem nice. just to kind of get somewhat of that release, right? And, um, you know, with, with, with those with like Lane and TJ and Jumbo and Ben Matthews, it was just like – you know, this was our this was our release, right? It was it was us, right? And it was like, you know what? We're out to prove something, right? We didn't care how hard it was, right? We we wanted to turn this thing around so bad, so bad. I mean, you, the best. I'll be honest with you. Like when we were freshmen, me, Lane, TJ, we used to all when we were on scout team, we used to say who could hit our offensive lineman the hardest, who and they hated us. They yeah. literally hated us. And, but we, hey, guess what? This is our team. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not messing around here. And then when, you know, obviously when PJ comes in, Paul Johnson, right? He helped. Oh boy. We, 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 <laughs> he helped a little bit because I didn't know how hard I was until that guy came in. Nice. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. And we'll get to the last uh, Lane Jackson memory kind of sums that one up with the release and how, how much you love to hit. Um, next one, he said that, oh, he said you're the best man in his wedding, uh, that y'all are a really tight knit group. You, him, TJ, Jumbo, um, that you started the race for up downs. It was a race who could yeah. get up the fastest, right? Um, uh, that every up down really meant something to you. Um. I thought that was cool. It was definitely interesting. Um, all right. Freshman year. Last one. And and his favorite memory. Uh, I'm going to pull out this other piece of paper because it's got more room on it. Um, freshman year. You guys are stuck on JV. Um, all you guys on JV. Jumbo gets pulled up to varsity. Back then, it, was a, it wasn't like a recruiting for talent, you know, selection process. It was a shotgun blast, recruit as many people as possible, see who the you know, cream rises to the top. So you didn't get those reps. Jumbo nope. gets pull, pulled up to varsity. He's the biggest guy, biggest linebacker on the team. And he actually, you know, gets some time. Start, ends up starting and he does really well. Oh, yeah. real good. I remember watching him. We were all in uh, Ricketts watching him against Notre Dame, right? That, saying, that's our guy, man. That's Jumbo out there against Notre Dame. Make, we, they almost beat him that year, making plays. I'm like, this is crazy, right? Yep. And, and the competitive group that y'all are, I mean, um, to have each other's backs like that and to you know, recognize that, but at the same time, you still got that itch, right? Like, yeah. I got to get my itch scratched. Um, he said, uh, let's see. Um, it was hard to get a rep. It was hard to get a look during practices because of that whole recruiting style. And then y'all finally got a game. You finally get a JV game. And uh, that JV game is versus um, Hargrave. Hargrave. Yep. Hargrave. Right? Yeah. Hargrave yeah. is kind of like the naps of the NFL college route, right? Like the yep. big freaking dude. They had like they had a guy named Ahmad Brooks at that time, right? They had like these, you know, they got they got the cream of the crop, like three or four star guys that are like, hey, I need a year of prep school, right? Exactly. So, yeah. And uh, and. The first play, 
after the coin toss was kickoff return. And Bobby's on the kickoff return team. Bobby's back wedge guy. And for those that don't know, the back wedge is pretty tough because, you know, the other side, kickoff, which is the funnest play in the game, is full speed. I'm running my butt off and I'm going to hit something at full speed. Well, back wedge is I'm going to wait and then I'm going to pick up my momentum and I'm going to try and hit someone. Well, Bobby on this day um, doesn't really pick up any momentum. He's just kind of hopping. And, and oh, let me back up. Prior to walking out on the field, you're just teary-eyed, ready to go. I am, you know, that passion's there, right? During kickoff return, six-foot-four guy, maybe 240-plus full speed right at you, and you're just hop, 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 hop. And you send him back in the other direction, like totally reverses trajectory, um, not even a running start, plant your feet, push him backwards, and the film is following the ball, right? So yep. the, fil the film sees this. They see the, the, the ball carrier catches the ball. They see Bobby Mack make contact. And right as you make contact, you start wailing on the guy with your fists. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. And then you go out of the picture because they're following the ball carrier, right? Yep. And then the ball carrier starts running upfield. And yep. then we see Bobby Mack again. And you're still wham, 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 wham. That's wham, right, man. Wham, another guy. That's your release, baby. That's the release right there. That, you know, Tony, like at that time, right, two years of naps, right, not quitting. Like, this is my first, like, I made this, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, no, nobody, everybody doubted me high school. He, Bobby, he's too slow. He can't play at Navy. Like, and then you're there with your brothers. And you're like, holy crap. Like, I'm ready. Like my eyes, I was tearing down the face. I could just think of everything that went through this. You know, you throw it your family, everything, Lane, TJ, Jumbo, Ben, everybody, the whole. And that dude, he didn't, I just was literally went like this. Like I maybe took two steps back. I eyed this guy up. I was hopping and down and I gave him the biggest forearm shiver right to the freaking dome. And he went down and I just, I just lost it. I started punching him. And then Lane, I don't know if Lane told you. He didn't try to do it again to me. Did Lane say that? No. He, he told me about the first event. Tell me about a second event. Same guy. The same, same guy. guy. He then sought me out. Nice. Before they even play, he was looking at me like, I'm going to get you now. How'd that turn same out? Thing. Same thing happened. Same thing happened. Lane, Lane may not even remember that. <laughs> same thing happened. You were not – I didn't care what I had. I'm like, this is – you know, like I said, this is it, right? This is what I live for right here. Playing awesome. next to my brothers and 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 hitting, right? And I was like, okay, let's go. Here we go. Let's go. Navy football. So awesome. anyways, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you know how it is, man. You, you just get in those moments, right? I used to always tell you guys, right? It's in your eye. I used to go like this, right? Like, look at you. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes, right? Yep. Man, I love coaching you guys, man. I, it, you know, at Naps, I will talk about it, but I, I fell in love with coaching, man, just helping you guys. It was best time of my life, man. Some of the best times of my life with you guys. Awesome. It was, it was a great experience yeah. for me, too. Um, I feel like and I hope that uh, our linebacker core grew up um, in a way that was good and, and did good things. 
Uh, probably not as good as you guys, but at the same time, I felt like you helped plant the seeds of what it meant to be Navy football for us at Maps. So I mean, that, was, at, that was a good thing. Yeah. You, Nechak, Vila, right? Schaefer. Look at you. I mean, you guys, I said, you guys are going to beat Notre Dame. Beat them twice, right? Yeah. Right. You guys. Well, we, also, I mean, we also played probably a weaker Notre Dame than you guys did back then. Nah, no, you guys, had, you guys had their stars, right? They had their stars. Who was that guy that was... I don't know the pretty boy that you guys um, beat that one year, Jimmy, Clawson. Jimmy Clawson, right, right. Yeah. You guys beat Jimmy Clawson, but like, I knew, man, you guys stick together, right? You're gonna I do think, something. I think Jimmy um, left the side, left to the sidelines for a finger, like couldn't get up because of a finger issue, um, injury. It was that. That's the kind of quarterback we played against, so it's a little different. Yeah, you remember? I that. think. I think. Uh, yeah, which. Muay Thai Teo was on that team, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, the 2009 team, right? Or not? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yes, I think he was. He was a freshman that year. I'm almost positive. Maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm mistaken here, but I thought you guys played against them, Man Tai Teo. Anyways, it was uh you know. Love it, yeah. Tony. That's yeah, what life's yeah. about right there. It's my, then uh, they look like my, my my. Could you? But I can't even believe my oldest man. She'll be six. She'll be fifteen this year. She's goodness gracious. School. One year away from driving. I hope you're training. Yeah. How about it? How about it? <laughs> hey, go, go find mom. Mom here. Mom not. Oh, okay. Well, you just gotta be quiet. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Um, well, that's really all the the memories I got. Um, I've got some, but I'm gonna hit them throughout your story. So got it. Uh, I turn it over to you. Bob McLaren, what's your story? Bobby Mack. Yeah, Bobby Mack. Robert. Uh, Robert Quinn, right? So <laughs> uh, my story, man, I guess it sums up in, you know, one of the things, right? Earn everything, right? Um, you know, I grew up in Bethlehem, right? Humble beginnings. Uh, grew up in half a double here in Bethlehem. Um, you know, love love college football growing up, right? I, I uh, wanted to play Notre Dame always, right? Um that was that was my goal. Play Division One college football. Um, went through middle schools, like you know, at that time, like my parents ended up getting divorced, and you know, it wasn't, you know, that time of day. The very barely seldom people had divorced parents, right? And and you know, I, I remember that wholeheartedly. My both my parents loved me, but I, I couldn't understand it, right? But it just like at that point, it fueled my fire to like say, you know what, I gotta make something out of this right i gotta make something positive out of this and um you know i went to high school excelled in uh, football played basketball um you know did a little track there um, yeah, and, and what i read in an article was basketball was was your first love it and was your body changed a little bit got a little bit bigger yeah yeah basketball i i could i didn't play football till seventh grade my dad didn't let me play but i grew up in a football environment like my dad coached football Right. And he coached and I was like the ball boy in the high school team. He was one of the assistant coaches. So I was always around that locker room. Right. Um, which is kind of one of the reasons I think, you know, I just was gravitated to coaching. Right. Um, I just knew that it could be in my bloodline, you know, down the road and something that I would want to do. Right. Um, so, yeah, but in basketball, like I grew up like a diehard North Carolina fan. Obviously, everybody in the back in that day, they had MJ. I had Michael Jordan all over my room. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. and, uh, but Bethlehem, it's, it's usually uh, Eagles territory, but I was more of a Chicago Bears fan. But, like, at most, like, 
I really love college football. Like I was, I can probably name so many Notre Dame players, Demetrius, the Bose, Michael Stonebreaker, Ned Volkar. I could go down the list of all those kids, all those guys back in the day that I grew up wanting to play wear that gold helmet. Right. So anyways, um, the opportunity actually, so in high school, right. I was not really recruited. I mean, I had Colgate come and I took a visit up there. Actually, when I returned back to Bethlehem, they told me that like my parents let it like on my recruiting visit, they told my parents they, they didn't have any money for me when I was up there, which was, and my parents told me that on the way back. But, um, you know, lo and behold, I was thankful enough that, you know, I got a call from Navy coach Pearson at that time. And, um, you know, take a step back a year before I ended up watching. Yeah. Coach Pearson. So the, the TCU Horn Frogs coach Peterson. No, No, that's Patterson. Sorry. Yeah. That's coach Patterson, coach Pearson. Right. So he, he, he recruited uh, Pennsylvania heavily for a while. He recruited like the likes of Ryan Hamilton, um, out of uh, Philly area, who who graduated a few years before me, and he also had Western PA, you know, Pittsburgh area. Gotcha. But um, in in my junior year, though, so this was senior, but going back to my junior year, I rem- so my grandfather was in the Navy, right? He, you know, my grandfather had hands like mallets. He was he was a bear, right? He was a mechanic, right? He was in the Navy. Um, anyways, he always loved Army Navy game, and. and I was like, okay, we had it on one Saturday. I remember this number 51 guy running around. Well, it turned out to be Clint Bruce, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's who I want to be like, right? Not knowing that I would have had a chance to go to Navy the following year. And then when I got a call from Coach Pearson, right, a couple other folks were involved, like interested, like Cornell was one of them. Um, and there was like some Division threes and stuff. My grades were great, right? So I had options from, from that level. Um, Coach Pearson called, and I was like, okay, we're going out to Navy. So I remember I went down to go watch Navy Colgate, right? And I'm like, I love this place. And then, um, you know, I had my recruiting visit. And my the person that took me down and around, right, was Ron Winchester. Right? Nice. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, Ron Winchester was the one, you know, obviously from the Bronx. And obviously Ron, right, was the first one killed in action. And, um, you know, Operation Enduring Freedom or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I can't even talk about it right now because, ah, uh, oh, man. Um, so anyway, he took me around and I just fell in love with the Brotherhood, right? Everything about it. And I remember just, we had the place called the Green Turtle at that time. And uh, we went out there and, um, and then, uh, you know, we ended up hopping the wall that night. <laughs> So, nice. so he's teaching yeah, you the basics. Yeah, teach, teach, yeah, yeah, teaching me the basics. And when you get a gentleman and a true gentleman and a true, you just see the genuine passion that Ron had, right? Authentic. For authentic. That's exactly right. Authenticity that Ron had for me as a person, right? And and then you're around the brotherhood. You're like, okay, I want to play, serve my country. I want to play Division One football. Right. I want to get a degree in mechanical engineering or something. Right. Let's go. So anyways, I ended up, you know, Air Force came along. I didn't even take an air, a visit out to Colorado Springs. Um, they came along after I went uh, Navy. Right. And uh, so, you know, that was it. The rest was history. Right. Signed. Right. Went up to Naps. 
Ah, man, you know the story of Naps, right? You go there, I was probably yeah. the smallest linebacker in the room. I'm like, what the hell am I doing here, right? All these, we had a guy named uh, Dion Burnett from Texas. The dude was a, looked like a man child, right? He didn't hit that hard, though, I'll tell you that. But like, you go, you go <laughs> in that room and you're like, oh boy. But actually, on the way up there, somehow the first person I ever met from Naps was Ben Matthews. We were at the same nice. exit together and was like, where are you from? He said, Pittsburgh. I said, oh, I'm from, uh, you know, Bethlehem. Okay, we'll see you up there. So that's the irony right there. But, um, yeah. you know, went up to Naps, right? Uh, did my thing, right? We were, like I said, we were, you know, you get there and you just all together and you don't know your shell shock. Right? Like, I'm going to insert something right here. I remember that too. Like when we went around the locker room, like first day that all the guys are there and you introduce yourself where you're from. And I remember uh, – Stephen Tripp. Yeah. Tampa. Yep. Steven Inside Tripp. linebacker. Yeah, Stephen I mean, Tripp. Yeah. Not a guy that, that actually went through the whole thing, but uh, definitely a, a good memory for me is learning a lot from that guy. And he, he and I played next to each other along with Craig too. At, at the inside position while you were coaching, so Stephen Tripp, man, he had a, he didn't have a good stance though. I remember that his stance was like <laughs> was like upright, right? Usually you have your ass upright and you're like ready to roll this way. His was like yeah. always this awkward upright stance. Yeah. But anyways, you know, you get there, you don't know what to expect. I love the physicality of it. I, I remember just being in senior year in high school, like after I signed. It was back when Jay-Z was, like, popular. I remember just running hills at, like, 6 in the morning, not to knowing to, what to expect, just saying, like, I don't know what to expect, but I better be prepared. So, anyways, I was, you know, I got there. You were running in, hills? In, in high school. To be to get prepared to go to naps and do, okay. Correct. Understood. Correct. Yeah, so then, anyways, you get there, right? You do your thing, right? You great, great group of guys. As I pointed out earlier in the story, right? Um, I tore my ACL right in March, right? So I was like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, you don't quit. Like that's not in my blood. So, anyways, went back up there, right? Met another great class of of, of people, right there. Another great class of brothers, right? And then we all arrived at Navy, right? And um, yeah, you get to Navy, right? I just remember, like I said early in the story, you, you know, 0-11, freshman year, right? You're like, oh, my God, this cannot happen, right? This, I remember going in the weight room on Saturday mornings with Frankie Divis, TJ, Lane, Jumbo, listening to ACDC with Coach Warfolk. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. But all I remember is, like, we put extra time and effort in on Saturday mornings and then, you know, as a freshman, you do any – like, our class was crazy, man. Like, we, we – we, That's you know, what it takes. That's what it takes. It, it, I, I remember – it was – well, it was when Jackass was really popular. I don't know. You were probably – No, I remember. Yeah. So, we, we had school. Ward – we had some – for some reason, we had two-by-fours in the locker room, and we would put the helmet on and try to hit each other with the two-by-fours and see. <laughs> like, it, it was that whacked out. We were – What did you have two-by-fours in the weight room for? I, I don't know why we had a two. It was like a random two project, or yeah, it was like some random two by four in the locker room. And I just remember, yeah, that's what guys. That's, what happened was Wolf placed that there and say, "Watch this." Yes, watch, <laughs> this. watch what watch what these guys do. But like <laughs> you're you're looking back at it, you're like, oh my goodness. But like you know, we just stuck together, and uh, obviously, as you know, Coach Paul Johnson, he came, and. Um, you know, we were tight, but 
Paul Johnson, Coach Green, Coach Kelly, that whole crew made us what we were then and who we are today. I firmly believe that. Like that first practice. Can I can I say yeah. a Coach Kelly quote real quick? Yeah. About you? He said, uh, I've been coaching college football for 20 years. He said, Bobby's probably the first player I've had to slow down as opposed to speed him up. He was trying to do things too fast. He'd get himself out of control, out of position um, that you just nonstop go, go, go. And he had to like control your, control your aggression really. And, yeah. I, and, and, and that's a good key. I think for a lot of people and for people like us is be a beast, be an animal and then learn how to control it. Correct. And you right. still, you know, to this day, right. Control the controllable, especially when you can't control what you can't control. Right. Yeah. For sure. But like I learned on the playing field, right. You got to control your emotions, right. You got to, you can't just be like, it ain't backyard football anymore. And that's what coach Kelly, I remember coach Kelly said, you're not going to see the field if you don't learn to control yourself. Right. And, um, you know, just, just thinking back on it, right. When Paul Johnson came, I remember the first day, everybody could probably tell you that from our class, right. Fourth quarters. Right. Literally, I'd never th- it almost contemplated, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, honestly, like, it was that crazy. Lane Jackson will tell you, he went through halfway through Buds to experience how, anything like our fourth day of fourth quarters under Paul Johnson. Mm. That's him. That came from a, a guy that, you know, is a Navy SEAL, right? Yeah. That's how crazy it was. So but the first he- half of – uh, for context, the first half of his buds experience, the SEAL training, like all the way up until the middle point of that whole experience, he was kind of like, "This is easy." Yeah, it's not comparable. It, and then it's not comparable. Half is a little bit different. Yeah, because obviously, then you got more into the swimming or whatever the heck else they did, right? I, we didn't go, but that I remember, you know, seeing Lane for the first time, right? Yeah. Um. After after the SEAL training or whatever, he said that. Oh boy, like it was. Yeah, but you know. Again, I, I just remember Coach Green, right? He had the la- he had he had the, the drill probably when you were there, Tony, right? You you go up five yards, right? You sprint out, and you go shuffle, 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 and then finish through the line. I remember Coach Green like he was like the devil. He was he was it was raining. He was spitting. The dip spit was coming all over. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, right? And we yeah. must have did I don't know how many up downs, but anyway, you look back at that experience. You're like, you know what? These guys. They not only changed the program, they literally had such an impact on our lives. Every one of the, every person on that coaching staff, right? They had, you know, they wanted to win. They taught you how to win, right? They taught you the process to win. Everybody talks about the process here, right? Everybody these days talks about the process. No, they knew the process. Like they were playing with the bad news bears. That's who we were. We were the bad news bears of college football. That's like, especially our class. I mean, we had, you know, we had five ten line. Lane, Lane Jackson was probably one hundred ninety seven pounds soaking wet, or one hundred ninety pounds. Right? We had yep. offensive line, defensive linemen going to offensive line. It was just like, you know, we, we we didn't have much. All we had is what the heart, right? And we had coaches yep. that knew the process. Like you put that staff and give them, you know, tell them, hey, go down to Florida, change it. I don't care what style, what offense you're going to run. Like take that staff and tell them, hey, go to Florida or go to one of those programs, they'll change that around. They'll be, they'll be national champ contenders. 
I mean, you look at that staff too, right? Munkins, where he's at, Coach Niamat had an unbelievable run at Navy, right? You had Paul Johnson go to Georgia Tech. You had Coach yeah. Kelly go on. Bohannon. I mean, you know, Bohannon, like, look, look. And, and it's like, you know, it's a credit to that, credit to them. You know, we bought in. Like, it's a credit to us. But we always had, you know, our class and then what you guys had in your, your era, right? You always had that earn it mentality. Nothing's yeah. given. Right. Thank you. Do I? I said thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, so like, you know, no, nobody's giving you anything life. What you do, you got to give your life for others. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you do in life. You, you go to serve. Right. So, um, you know, we turned that program around 10 and 2. Right. I, you know, I, I had a, it's just, you could just talk all day. I could talk about this all day. But, um, Anyways, you know, so then we, you know, graduated, right? Went surface warfare. I actually got into the academy. I have zero stereo vision. So they put me on a ship, right? <laughs> I was on a ship for a while. You had zero um, what? It's called zero stereo vision. You can't, I can't shoot a rifle for anything. Just so you know, yes. Tony. Nice. I, had, I had to take the rifle test about, I don't know, I don't know how many times it, when I was a SWO to even pass, right? But, um, so you had anyway. to hold, like, if you were to get hold, held up in the parking lot, you'd have to hold, hold the Glock sideways. Is that what you would do? I, I, I don't even know. I can shoot a nine millimeter, but anything like long range, oh boy. So, anyways, I was, you know, so I had to actually, I was forced to lateral transfer in civil engineering corps. So I did that, right? Um, and then I was still like, you know, I seen all my, you know, all the brothers going to, to war. Right. And like, we had individual augmentation at that time. I went through a medical review board and I said, you know, I still want to go down there. Right. I, I volunteered. I was in civil engineer court at the time. Right. And I, I said, you know, I want orders to Iraq. They actually went all the way. I moved Katie home at that time from Colts Neck, New Jersey, went down, we checked in to go down, checked in at, um, down in Virginia. Right. They got my medical records. It looked like a New York City phone book. And they said, hey, you went to a medical review board, you know, for your eye, you can't go. So anyways, I spent five years right in the military, um, you know, knowing that, okay, it's come to an end there, but like, I still have a lot of work to do to help people, right? So one of the most valuable or invaluable, I, I want to say experiences that I had was this next experience which I think trumps a lot of what I did in my career uh, up until this point. So glass crushing and processing plant, talking yeah. to the operations man like yourself, right, uh, Tony? Like uh, it's, it's essentially they take recycling, they, they split. Um, I was – you take recycling in like something that you put on the, on the street, right? Uh, and they take the glass and they, it goes through a plant and it's separated into green, like green the green glass. Clear. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, in, you know, it gets in, I want to say they called it glass color. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So and you crush it. Right. And then you got to sell it right for the recyclables. So anyway, I took that job and, and the gentleman that took me around and said, here's what your plant's going to look like. They took me to Newark, New Jersey. It was a clean plant. It was like pristine. OK, that's where my that's where part of the interview process was. Then I get into the plant in Allentown. I literally walked into that plant. I could not see five feet in front of me. That's how much dust was in that plant. Yeah. And something I've learned over my, the course of my career is location matters. Uh, environment yes. matters. Culture, uh, political. Culture. Um, yes. There, it's more than just something you can internally affect. 
there's the the economy piece of it environment piece of it so i get you yeah so when i when i went there that you know they're like you're a mechanical engineer right figure this out like you know mechanical engineer right naval cat i could do this right but you know what i didn't even start there i looked okay let me take a tour of this plant right and we saw what i saw right the workers yep they were standing on concrete floor no anti-fatigue mats for eight hours straight no bathroom breaks no uniforms no nothing right that's a little different it was like i was going into like something you would see in a third world country right and I said, no, we, we're changing the plan one way. Like, you're all my family, right? I'm here. You're my family now. Hermida, Juan Carlos, Hiron, right? Fernando. I could name these. I could continue to name these people on and on, right? Yep. I didn't care if they were illegal immigrants. They were my people, right? Some of them were illegal. I, I don't care. You're working for me. We're going to change this plan. Here's how we're going to do it, right? So, you know, I got them uniforms. These kids... You know, get them uniforms. We had what's called Rosquillo Mondays. Rosquillo is a donut, right? Nice. Donut Mondays. Every Monday morning, we would sit there. I didn't know half the stuff they were saying, right? But guess what? We sat there and we sat around. We had coffee. We had donuts, right? That's what it's about, right? That's what taking care of people is, right? I had DeWalt radios so that they, when they were picking, they would pick. Um, little pieces of ceramic out of piles of glass because if ceramic was found in a bottle that got recycled, you would open that bottle, right? It would pop, right? Ceramic has a higher melting temperature, right? So they would have to pick for eight hours straight, picking a ceramic out of this pile. Imagine doing that, right? For eight hours straight. No, mm. I gave them breaks. I had them DeWalt radios. They could listen to their Spanish music, right? Everything changed, right? They were my people. Oh, the plan, oh, plan, we got a, a snowstorm. These people are temp workers. They're making $4.50 an hour. Goodness. How are they going to get to the plant? Guess what? They're going with me, right? I will go through Allentown in my to Toyota Corolla at that time, picking these folks up. Get in my car. You're my people. Let's go. This is what we do. I, got, I love you. I care about you. And, you know, that's, in my case, you know, that, that's what life's about, right? We changed the plant culture. Unfortunately, I left because, you know, how it is sometimes in corporate America, they don't have your same values, right, with safety. And unfortunately, too, the, one of the, the maintenance managers for, like, there was multiple plants on site, right? He ended up getting killed. Uh, a bale of aluminum fell on him, right? And wow. a stake went through his, through, his, uh, through his stomach. But one of the, one of the, one of the most memorable moments I had was Hermita. She was a 40-year-old woman, uh, multiple kids, right? She would do anything. She, would, she was the hardest worker ever. And uh, ironically, on the picking belt, you had to pick trash off this belt. I was there one day. Yeah. I picked a lottery ticket off. Nice. I swear. Here. Here's That's your lottery better. ticket. Hermita won $20. Awesome. And that's what it's about, right? That's what life's about. And when you can, like, you know, when you, when you can, I, I knew I was going to resign, right? I got my people all together, right? And I said, I'm resigning. And when you get those hugs from most folks, your people, yeah. nothing else matters. Nothing. Indeed. If you could help people in life and you have a lasting impact on their lives, like, that's what it's about, right? 
So that's, you know, that, that's where I was, right? I left there, had a short stint with uh, like Target, like maybe like a couple, probably like less than four months, right? It was like What'd in the corporate program, supply chain. But like they, you start out in that in that program though, like you have to like learn, you know, how, to, how the process is with like throwing the trucks and stuff like that. So you have to learn that whole process, right? Yeah. The lean six lean process, whatever they want to call it, that lingo, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, you, you had to sometimes full clothes too. Like you had to walk the floor. So there I am kind of like folding the clothes. So I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord have mercy. Right there, I am former maybe linebacker. Uh, folding clothes you know, at Target. Folding clothes at Target in their corporate program. So, anyways, I was fortunate enough though. Then too, um, I was there for about a couple of months, and then I got into Air Products. It's one of the largest leading industrial uh, gas supplying companies in the world. Right, Fortune 500 nice. company. Was there? Was a buyer? Was um, a sourcing specialist? Um, you know, started moving up. Right, commodity sourcing specialist on on a global scale. But as I was doing this, Tony, let's go back to Five Star Heart, right? Yes. So Five Star Heart, that's your nonprofit. Um, you're coaching folks. Um, kind of what you were talking about, my people. You found some some more of your people in Five Star Heart, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know when Five Star Heart, right, when I moved back here, I, I did a one clinic, 13 kids, right? Actually, I did it with Spencer Brown. Yep. Spencer so that's, was uh, yeah, full back at naps when I was there. I remember. Yep. Yeah. yeah you and, told me and, about it. I remember going through that process when you got that started. Yeah. Uh, and, and you were talking to me about it a little bit. And then I reached out to Spencer and he told me how much he enjoyed that. Yeah. It was the M- McLaren's Brown linebacker <laughs> clinic, 13 kids. And I'm like, you know, we, it was just have a clinic, right? Have the gives the kids a good time. But I'm like, you know what? I looked at the t-shirt. I'm like, I want to give kids more than a free t-shirt, right? So then next year we took kids, all the kids, there was about 80 kids that went to my clinic. We took them down to Navy and University of Maryland. And um, and then, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, I'm like, you know what? I want to make this a nonprofit, right? And I, I didn't get a lawyer. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any money, right? I'm not, uh, I have no money in my pocket to start a nonprofit, like to pay lawyers. Figure it out, right? Earn it, figure it out, right? So anyways, as I was climbing corporate America, there was me before, you know, before work, I would go to this Starbucks in Allentown. I would just, it would be my like starting spot. So I would go there. I would run around this, think of a mall parking lot. I would do my workout, run around there, get on my computer at Starbucks. Then I would go into the plant, right? At that time I was managing operations for air products and their plant, right? They had a shower there, shower up. But I would do this continuously in the mornings to get this thing going, right? I had to form my nonprofit. And I always had a vision, right? So anyways, formed the nonprofit, right? I mean, and when you know your true north, this is my true north, right? Helping people. So anyways, we formed Five Star Heart. And you know where Five Star Heart came from, the speech from that I gave Coach Nehemiah. Um, you know, he asked me to speak to you guys. Um, that was what, your junior or senior year, right? Is that your junior year or senior year? Uh, sophomore. Yeah, it was my sophomore year. Sophomore uh, year, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, for, for the group. Notre Dame, 07. Yeah. Um, yeah, sophomore year. No, that was 09, actually, Tony. Was it 09? Yeah, yeah. You guys beat him one year. year. No, it was the second time. Okay, so that was my yeah. senior year. Then, so you see, yeah, you guys, senior year wins. Yeah, yeah. So your senior year, right, Coach asked me to speak. I didn't know what to come up with. And I just said, like, you know, the I remember the – 
the guys in that locker room are five-star recruits. The, the brothers in this locker room have five-star hearts, right? Yep. And then when I came here, did my clinics, I'm like, this is what it is, right? This is how do we help make five-star heart people, right? And then it's based off the principles of the Navy football brotherhood, right? Inspire kids to approach life, academics, athletics with a five-star heart, no-quit mindset. And then we started taking kids to, you know, earn trips, right? Um, and, and, and then I started a mentor program with a local university, Moravian University, because those, you know, there's some of the greatest assets we have in society is, is our collegiate student athletes, right? Um, and, you know, kids earn these trips by doing community service, doing good in school, right? They do physical fitness, they can do strength and conditioning, they do stuff like that. And it's like, you know, you're trying to just create, help your own community, right? It's not a big, it's not a, a, a big organization, predominantly helps the Bethlehem, Allentown kind of kids, right? And then like, you know, in hopes of like, and I've seen, I've seen success through this program. You're setting the foundations at the most influential point in their life, right? The age yeah. of influence is that middle school where kids are going either way. I mean, I, I Do don't you know have like an example or two of like an individual I mean, you can name. That yeah. I mean, the, the individual. So what's so cool, like the kids that go through my mentor program, we pick one person, right? Who exemplifies the five-star heart mentality at the end of his eighth grade year. Yeah. So we had a, just a kid like, so he was a, he was a mentor program kid back in 2018 or 2017, right? He was awarded the scholarship and the scholarship that we award is, is, um, it's named after Buddy Green. So I don't know if you knew that. It's the, it's the Finnish scholarship, right? Because Buddy Green, one of the, he always used to say Finnish, Bob. Finish. I could hear it. Like when I'm doing stuff in my mind and you're like, shoot, even cutting the grass or whatever, like you're like, <laughs> just get this done. Finish, right? So anyways, I'm like, I am going to name the scholarship after Coach Green because eighth graders that are in the mentor program, they must finish those next four years throughout high school, right? They need to be accepted to a, a four-year institution, um, a trade school or a community college, right? So we gave the scholarship $2,000 to a kid last year, right? Was, you know, came from a hard background. I'm talking hard. Yes, hard background. When you say hard, right? what do you mean? Like poor, poverty? Uh, or... Yeah, poverty, uh, the whole nine yards, right? I'm going to say, you know, drugs, his parents on drugs, right? You know, beaten mom, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. You know, endured all that, excelled, and you don't have to be a football player to receive the scholarship when you're a senior, right? Yeah. So he uh, he excelled, right? And, and awesome. um, anyways, he he was a wrestler. Got accepted at the King's College, and I met him and his mom up there with the the check, right, to give to the registration office at King's College this past year. Awesome. So like you know everything we do, and Tony, like I do that now is all volunteer basis. I lead the whole organization. Not a zero goes in my pockets, right? I'm fortunate enough that I can do that, right? And I put a lot, it's a labor of love. You put a lot into it, but like, you know, you see what it is. And I have one thing is certain, as you know, you need to have a supporting family, right? Yeah. That allows you to be like this, right? That allows so you, you to take that time and, and go do that, that thing that you need to do, right? 
Because there's yeah. a time, bigger time requirement for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was with Air Products, right? I was moving up the ranks of Air Products, right? So I built this five-star heart, right, on the side. And the local health network was one of my sponsors, right? And they were like, hey, Bob, you interested in coming on board? I'm like, yeah. I, I built a business plan for them. They're like, why don't you, you know, you want to come on board as like a more business development role, community ambassador? And I'm like, yeah. Let's see. Let's go. Right. I took a huge pay cut. Right. Went to this other health network, met great people. Right. I mean, I, I, I did meet a lot of good people at the other health network. Right. At that time. But then and then I also ran. The, I also adopted the Nike Coach of the Year Clinic, um, which is a it's a it's a national clinic. They have regional clinics all around. Right. And I said, I'm going to adopt the Nike Coach of the Year Clinic. Right. It's we bring in the top, like in 2020, we brought James Franklin, Ryan Day, actually Coach Monk had spoken at different coaches, right? So it's a, it's a fundraiser for our nonprofit, right? So February 2020, we hold the clinic. And then I remember people at the, you know, we hold it at the casino. They were like, there's just something called COVID going around. And I'm like, okay, well, boom. Like here in Pennsylvania, we were hit hard and we were shut down, like shut down. So there I was, like climbing the ranks of corporate America, took this pay cut, and guess what? I get a call. Bobby, you're furloughed. Okay. Like, you know, like, you, you, you get that? And you're like, oh, my God, man. Here I am with a Naval Academy degree, with an MBA, like took a risk, right? Like, I got a family to support, right? And yeah. No joke, Tony. It was the height of racial tension in America, right? I didn't understand the world. I'm like, this can't be happening to people, right? Like, I just started thinking all, all the brothers that I played with, right? All of them that, you know, all the minority brothers. Like, I just wanted to go out and just hug every one of them. Like, seeing what's going on in this world. I didn't understand it, right? And, like, I remember walking the crick down here. The crick? Uh, yeah, the crick. I call it a crick. Some is people it, call it a creek. It a creek? Okay, it's a creek. A creek. <laughs> Got it. I get it now. So I'm talking Bethlehem lingo here. And gotcha. like, you know, I was furloughed. So I would like literally walk in the mornings to my coffee in my hand, right? Yeah. Then I would go for a run. Then I would go work out. Like I had my all my kids, which was great. You, you know, one thing about being like that thing that happened, like you truly saw like the most important things in your life is your family, right? Yep. You had your family. You got to spend time because we live in a crazy world where everything's on social media. It's just nuts, right? You know what you live yep. in, right? I mean, and and you you I actually had a sense to like embrace and be like, you know, wow, right? In some way, in, in a lot of regards, right? We actually got a, a COVID dog. Mighty is his name. He's this little sheep who <laughs> it's like this. Anyways, I get home now. I'm like, I never was a dog lover and COVID changed me to be a dog lover too. You get home and you have this little, this little dog on your lap. You're like, oh my God. So, but it's COVID, right? And, um, and I'm walking the creek and I get on the phone with Coach Green. And I'm like, Coach Green, man, I do not understand what's going on, right? And I just started crying. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I didn't understand it. And as I'm walking, I look up to the Bethlehem ice rink, right? Think of an outdoor ice rink, like a hockey rink, right? Mm -hmm. And 
it hit me at that time, right? We're shut down. Athletes still aren't, they're just, they're not doing anything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fight my ass back to work. And I'm going to work and I'm going to fight for every student athlete around here. Long story short is I came up with an idea. I called the city of Bethlehem saying, look, I'm going to turn this outdoor ice skating rink into the biggest bat of strength and conditioning site in all PA, right? I did actually throughout this time too, I was a certified strength and conditioning coach, did that, was kind of living in this world too. Okay, still am to this day. And so I had my Ford F-150, 1990 F-150. I bought it for $1,250, right? I just used it solely for five-star hard stuff. At that time, like I said, I was working for this health network. I loaded my truck up with, I don't know how many thousands of pounds of equipment. I made multiple trips, made this the baddest outdoor strength and conditioning site in PA. 435 athletes pay, uh, 435 athletes um, trained there that summer. Nice. And when I look back at it, right, in essence, I was building my resume. Things happen for a reason. So I went back to Air Products. I went back to Air Products at that time. My old employer, right, I called my old boss, former Marine, took care of me for the first time, right? I gave him a call, right? He got me back on. And then so I'm with Air Products. And um, and then – so I'm there about a year, and then I get a call from another health network, the health network that I'm with now. And um, hey, do you want to? You want? We want to bring you on board as a director of sports medicine partnerships, and kind of like let let you run, let you do what you love, right? Yes. And hey, so go, go create this thing that we don't know how to create. Um, go go do that for us because we see yes. value in your skill set. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. You have passion, right? You have energy. You want to do it, right? And you're willing to go great lengths and you take care of people. Let's go, right? Yep. Boom. I'm in. The last words that, so I told my boss, who's a Marine, and I didn't know what to think because he brought me back to their products for, you know, for a year or whatever, right? He was, I was very blessed. He goes, you earned everything. Go after it. So yes. anyways, that's that's the military that that's a guy that gets it right that's a leader that gets it right yep. and so i'm with lehigh valley health network and it's been awesome right i'm there we have a great culture we have a great family we started this nil impact athlete program um where it's essentially the nil world right it's um essentially providing our college athletes with a platform of give, give back of give impact through give back, meaning they're getting paid, right? That's the world we live in, but they're doing good with it, right? It's a true platform of inspiration and influence for our middle school student athletes. So myself and another gentleman, we co-founded that program and I'm just there to, what's a partnership, Tony? You know what it is, right? You take care of people, they take care of you, right? It's mutually beneficial partnerships, business development, I work with a great team, a great family, right? There's a business side of the health network, but there's also a true sense of being, you said it before, authentic and authentic. genuine. Yeah. Authentic, genuine, and taking care of your people. And when that's you where create, you want to be. What's that's that? Where, that's where you want to be amongst a yes. group that's genuine and authentic. Um, there's no worse place to be than to be a, a part of a group that's like fake or like, you know, smoking mirrors and stuff now um, we, we had an incident today um uh, with my small group of leaders that when we walked out of it we were like 
that was good. That was awesome. That was authentic. And that's and that, like you said earlier, is what <clears throat> fuels my fire. So that's good. Like when you're looking at it, right, being professional starts with taking your taking care of your people in my in my world, right? Everyone says being professional. What is professional? Like you could look a certain way, you could, you know, talk a certain way. If you don't know how to take your care of your people, that's where your professionalism stops. Right. Um, and you know, as I always said, right, play selfless, live selfless, right? My three values are right here. Like love your family, right? Unite your unite your community and live with and lead with humility. Right? If you could do that, right? If you could love your family, our world would be a greater place, right? If every male in this country would love his family, right? If every male in this country would try to unite his community, right? And if every male would try to lead with humility, I think our world would be a heck of a greater place, right? Yep. And when we can do that, right? And, you know, I think you you have so much you know, you can, you can look at yourself in the mirror at night and say, you know what? I give my best for everybody. Try to give your best. Right. And there's always out, uh, always someone out there that needs a hand. Right. So no doubt. But um, yeah, Tony, Tony, awesome. man, it's, it's great talking with you, bro. I, you know, it's just, you know, life, it just goes so fast. Right. And I could picture it like it was yesterday, man. I could picture, you know, you were one. I'll tell you what, though, too. At naps, too, you you had some speed, man. For a linebacker, too, yeah. you would chase people down, man. And it was just like I didn't feel that way. Oh, dude, you out of any out of any of those other <laughs> linebackers, man, you had some speed, and and like just to see you guys and see how you're all doing these days, I would love just to, you know, it's just it's it's awesome. Just well, maybe to, maybe we can get together at one of your. You know, clinics one day. I got my clinic coming up here June 2nd. It's going to be June 2nd. Yeah, it's going to be here in Bethlehem, PA. Maybe I can figure out how to get away and make that a vacation for good. Yeah, so it's going to be a Friday night. We do it it underneath the lights. Usually, like, uh, you know, the the boys come up too. Jumbo, TJ, Lane. And we have a lot of other, a couple other. You know, every year we have a representation from the Brotherhood there. It's free clinic, right? We had, I don't know, 265 kids there last year. Most we ever had was 365, but just a night of unity and right and teach these kids, you know, they can do anything in life, right? I'm going to figure out how to make it there for that. So, you know, I'm saying that out loud so I can hold myself accountable to it. Um, but before we move off the NAPS subject, yeah. here's, here's one of my memory inserts with Bob McLaren. So a couple guys already talked about your club. And you broke your hand at, at Air Force, broke up that pass. I remember at Naps, uh, it was after like a kickoff or maybe we just got smashed on some sort of defensive play. A timeout was called. Either way, we went to the sidelines. And my chin strap was unbuckled. I was kind of like either coming out of it or something. And you're trying to like snap it back on my helmet. and But, but your hand, because of that break, you – you had either like arthritis or it was like too hard for you to try and push it on there. Do you still have? Oh, dude, they, they, they still don't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my hands are so, I don't know, man. I don't have any knee problems or anything like that, but my hands, dude, I don't have that. Yeah. Nice. But yeah. They, the, well, this doesn't see, you can kind of tell the finger doesn't go all the way up here. Right. It nice. just lingers there. So, but, um, 
Yeah, and Tony, man, I remember the the game you had at Lackawanna. You had a remember that game? I do. I remember getting remember you, pushed oh, around. You, Dude, you but you made a play, man, just to secure that game. I can't remember what it was, but like we weren't like we weren't supposed to win that. We walked out with a victory too, man. And I I just remember that game too, like being up on that that turf up there in uh, Scranton, PA. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I remember yeah. those guys being big, manhandling me, uh, and uh, me learning a lot of lessons of humility that day. So that's all I remember. And, and one other thing that Jordan Eddington can tell you about later, but. Um, yeah, like the, those months that I spent with at naps, right. With, with your, with your class class, I knew, I realized at that time is that I always had coaching in my blood. Right. And no matter where I was in, you know, corporate America down the line, right. I always had, you know, you're not going to. Granted, in corporate America, right, you have to wear a suit and tie sometimes. But at the end of the day, they aren't going to change Bobby McLaren. In my blood, I always knew that my true north and my my purpose in life was to uh, essentially coach, help others, inspire others, you know, on the athletic fields and off the athletic fields. And like, you know, till this day is that's it's like a, it's a it's my life's journey, honestly. Like I look at this as like I'd rather be buried helping 60,000 kids and people then be buried with $6 million. Right. At the end of the day, what's, yeah. I mean, monetary is like, what does that get you? Right. You know, we live in a world that's measure success a lot of times and like how much money you make. Right. My measurement of my success is how much I love my family and how much I can do for other and love others. Right. And how much I love my community. Right. And how much I can love, the community and the kids and everybody in the community and help them, right. Build, build their purpose. Right. You know, a lot of these kids yeah. in life, especially the ones that come purpose. from, they're, they're looking for purpose. Right. And now actually, you know, since COVID too, right. It's more than ever. Right. I mean, everybody's seen it, right. Um, seen what COVID has done from the nation and the, still the ramifications that we are, we're realizing, right? And in especially our youth these days, right? The mental health issues are out of control. So like when you look at that, you're like, well, you know, it's up to us, right? Those, the brotherhood, those who have, who have, you know, have risen, chose the path of what I call grit over the path of quit, right? And, you know, have faced adversity, right? Probably nothing compared to some of the adversity that a lot of kids are facing these days. But how do we help them, yeah. um, again, like I said, pursue their purpose in life, right? And, you know, you, you, at the end of the day, you can look at yourself in the mirror and you can you could say, look, have I lived my life today with in- dignity, right, with integrity, and have I helped somebody else out? Like, people should know Bobby, who Bobby McLaren is. Like, if there's somebody at a Wawa that's homeless, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to give that person money, right? At the end of the day, we're all creatures, right? We're all animals, right? That person may have been an addict or may be an addict, but when you look at addiction in itself, right? I'm going down now the addiction path, right? Um, Like when you look at addiction in itself, it's like addiction doesn't discriminate, right? At some point in their life, this person chose to be addicted, right? In some way. And now they're just trying to survive, right? 
or this or you know the single mother that's raising i don't know kids right by herself like that's who i am like i'm going to go out of my way to try to help right i don't care yeah. if it's driving kid some a kid somewhere helping a mom helping the homeless person at wawa right i will stop and show that person dignity and respect because hey we're all in this together that's my motto you know actually remember when i used to go this wasn't meant to be but my thing to you guys is always feed the addiction right yes feed the addiction talking about addiction addiction now and feed the addiction okay (laughs) (laughs) and the addiction was how how this goes in circles but you know at that time the addiction is playing for the brother next to you and hitting like the two addictions at that time, right? Yep. We're playing for the brother next to you, do whatever. And I remember you used to say this to Lane, feed the addiction, Lane, let's go, right? Yes. It was running with your hair on fire for the brother next to you and hitting somebody as hard as you can, right? You know, yep. so when I look at, you know, the addiction that people face, truthfully, I'm addicted to helping people. Like, I always say, you know, I always characterize, Bob, who are you? I'm crazy Bobby. Like, you ain't going to take that from me. Like, yeah, so, I'm, I'm crazy so you're not Bobby. Hitting I'm crazy anybody. in the fact that I want to go. I'm not hitting anybody these days. I'm still running my hills, like I said earlier gotcha. in that conversation. Do, doing your hills. That's yeah. my that's my, that's my, my release. <laughs> but my, my true addiction is out there trying to do whatever I can to help people in life. Like, 100%. that's sincerely my worker, the, my, my colleagues, those who work for me. The kids, you know, any way I can help people, you know, because I look at what my kids have, you know, I'm very blessed, right? I got my own team. My team is my wife and my three kids, right? And my dog, Mighty. Can't forget Mighty, right? Yeah. And if I can help others have what my kids have, right, in my house, all the kids, right, then so be it. Or if I could help adults, just give them, help them in some way find a purpose, then and I think, again, like the world would be a better place, right? Live selfless. Yep. 100%. Play selfless, live selfless, man. Love it. All right. Let's liven this thing up a little bit. We're going to talk about a, a good coach story for Bob McLaren. You have a favorite memory out on the field from a coach, a saying, uh, got on to you, or like a, a fun memory of a coach thing. Man, Tony, that's, you know, I'm sure again, you got plenty of I already them, said but... it in this the, earlier in this call, right? Yeah, I've had plenty of them, but like, quite honestly, you know, the one that always sticks out is, and I can't stop saying it's finished, right? Or go get him, Bobby. Like, I heard that from Coach Green, I don't know how many times. Like, get him going, Bobby, right? Probably you've heard it too. Like, like no, what that meant is like, dude, I am going to go out there. So <laughs> Coach Green used to go get him, Bobby. Or he used to call me Bobby O. Fabio, right? He called me that, but I, I remember Coach Green nice. saying, "You know, he, go get him, Bobby." He always, he always were. He, he always, he no. I don't know oh, what Coach okay. Green is. Bobby. I have no idea. That's I don't new, think so. I think that's he has for you. Him. you know, Coach <laughs> Kelly, Coach Kelly, right? Yeah. Coach Kelly, Coach Green. You know, I, Coach Kelly was definitely Irish, obviously, but like that was, you know, in terms of a funny story. I mean. I'm trying to think. Uh, boy, 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't have to. Yeah. There. I, I, to overthink you know, that one. I just. Yeah. I, I I usually ask everybody about a, a fun coach story. A lot of people bring up a PJ, like the time he came out and got really mad and like ran everybody, or you know, or something weird like that. So that's why I'd ask. So. I heard that, yeah, the role story, you know, I've heard that in the previous podcast, right? The throwing of the role and, you know, black, whatever. There was a couple black days, black Monday, black Thursday. I don't know. Crazy. You know, the Ricky yeah. Bobby story from my brother's era. So every other yeah. day. All right. How about uh, your best mentor? Did you have a good, a good mentor in life? Your favorite one? The person that grew you the most? Best mentor. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I mean, well, I talked, I know to my grandfather earlier in the call, but I, I really, you know, one of the guys, that, one of the people in my life that guided me um, through middle school was a, a coach I had, Jim Wills, right? So Jim Wills was a, our basketball coach, right? And at that time, you know, uh, my parents got divorced. It was like, you know, it wasn't the norm back then, right? And and Jim Will, Wills really took me underneath my, my, my wing underneath his wing, excuse me. Right. And a story with that too. So I was messing around after I was on the basketball team, I was messing around uh, on the bus on the way home. And somehow I was, I squirted a water bottle similar to what you would see at, at Navy. Right. So I squirted a water bottle on the bus. He made me, he goes, you think that's funny, Bobby, the next practice, he threw water all over the court and maybe clean up the court with cotton balls. So imagine that's imagine definitely UD. That's a new one right there. Uh, all that? over imagine the court, like clean it up. School, your yeah, your coach, like, here you go. Here's some cotton balls to clean it up. Okay. Yeah. That, but that's some where I want to go with stuff, this story like, is, and it's scrub it up with two brushes it? right there. It's, and you know, like mentors, where you like always go back and you could say, "Wow, he did affect my life." Right. Yeah. So, shoot. Fast forward, like I was about, I was in, I was getting my MBA. I had three kids working full time and then was still like, I just started five to heart. So I was like three years into it. Right. And Tony, you come to your life, right? I said, there's moments of grit over the moments of grit over the moments of quit. Like at that point in my life, I was so stressed. Right. And I saw Jim. So I'm going into Moravian university for my MBA, right? One of my MBA classes. And I randomly saw Jim Wills and I said, you know, this was just literally like two months before the clinic, right? Our clinic. And I said, I coach Wills. I don't know if I can do it this year. I don't know if I could do the clinic this year. And that moment he said, Bobby, you got to do it. Right. And then from there on out, right. That's when I turned the corner, created the nonprofit. Then I went full throttle. Like, you know, there's no average in our lives. Right. Yeah. Either you do it or you don't do it, right? 100% men or – You can't be average. Yeah. You can't be half-assed, right? <laughs> yeah, correct. So that's a story, right, where I teach young kids these days. You know, your mentors, everybody says, you know, network now. No, Jim Wills now. He's on my board of directors, right? Awesome. He's a guy that I call every once in a while just to check in, right? But, like, if he wouldn't have been there that day, right, if I still heart and made it never happened, right? So when you go back in your life, Tony, I like to tell kids, like, you're going to look at your life and say, did I, should I have quit or should I have chose the path of grit? Like, no, who knows where I would have been, right? If I, if I, when I tore my ACL, oh, I'm done with Navy, 
right? None of this stuff would have existed, right? If I would have left Navy at that time, Five Star Heart would have never existed. I would have never played for Navy, right? Like yeah. you got to look at your life and say, right? And that's what you, you know, you, you teach young kids, like, you know, yeah. keep on creating. Hey, look, yeah, that's keep the kind on of creating mindset. opportunities, yeah. right? Um, the opportunities yes. to, to do what you do, to get into the, into the locker room at, at Notre Dame. And when you're looking at and that, when you're making that speech yeah. in Notre Dame, five-star heart over five-star talent, boom, five-star heart. Boom. It was born, right? Good story. Awesome. All right. Um, so through your transition from the military and to, to what you're doing today, what you transitioned to during that time, what was your biggest transition learning going from the military into the civilian world? I'll tell you what, if I could tell anybody early on, right, that's coming out of the military, and I think I noted this before, it, it, it's almost like when you're coming out of the military, you get worked out, right? Because everything was there for you, right? Military is a job, right? You're going in right from the academy. You have your job, right? So you start to get anxious, right? I, I started to get anxious, like, oh, I need to get a job right away, right? I'm going to go for the first job that I had, right? So if there's somebody, something that I could say from somebody transitioning from the military to the, the civilian sector, right? Don't just, don't get anxious and choose your first job, right? There's going to be opportunities out, out there, right? You know, the military sets you up, right? Naval Academy sets you up. Don't just default to a job you know, make sure you take time, right? So I came out of the military in the worst economic downturn of all the United, in the whole, probably the history of the U U.S., aside from the Great Depression, right? It was 2010, right? So I was like, oh boy, and you're making really good money in the military, right? Pretty, and relatively speaking, right? Stability, BAH, all that stuff, right? So when I came out, you know, um, at that time, we, we were living temporarily at my father-in-law's house while we were going through this process. And um, like I said, I chose that job managing a glass crushing and processing plant. Um, was it the best job? No, when I look back at it, um, was it the first job I took? I was like, yeah, I, I you know, they, they wanted to hire me right away. But, you know, make sure you take your time in the, you know, you could, don't get too anxious. And I look at military people, they could figure it out, right? When Even when I went to Air Products, I didn't know what SAP was. What the heck is SAP? It's an ERP, yeah. Enterprise Resource Planning. I looked at it and, and said SAP. Like, I, I didn't know what the heck it was, right? But like, <laughs> us, us former linebackers, right? You go into a, a situation, you... you you better be able to work and out grind people. Even when I was at Air Products, so this is a crazy story. Think of a Fortune 500 company, right? I was living in cubicle world, right? In sourcing and procurement. So my day was, I used to get into the office at 5 a.m. with my hoodie on and my, yes. like, you know, in my, in my sweatpants, right? People at Air Products probably don't even know this half, most likely not. Get my work grinded out. That's the best way to get your stuff done, right? Yeah. Get, get in early. Work, get your get emails done, out. Then I would get, go. Get all the admin done, and then now you're free to make yeah. change happen, right? 
And then, so then I would go out to this field house at Air Products. It was a, it was a corporate company, right? So we had an on-site gym. I didn't want to pay for the on-site gym, but off-site there was a field house with a locker room and like, uh, and like just a shower. So we were able to use that with fields. And out there I had my own couple weights. I had my, uh, I, at that time I had a, a wood burning fireplace too. So I would literally go out there, get my, get my wood. Part of my workout would be splitting my wood. Nice. <laughs> get my workout done. Dude, you should and just then, start taking video know, of you splitting wood and you can put that on Instagram or something like that and make a whole bunch of money. So how about it? And then, and then, you know what? I would go back. Uh, I told you I'm crazy. Then I would go back into, you know, get my, my nice attire on and go the rest of the day. But, you know, that's who we are. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, that's who, at least who I am. Right. And, and like, you know, I still, you know, talk to the other, all, all the other folks, you know, all the other people we played with. Right. There's, we just have something different about us. Right. Just yeah. like not the normal person's going in 5am to work. Right. Yeah. Well, and then I think going out to split wood <laughs> and then coming back into the office, dude. I'd go split wood with or you. No, and throwing logs if you were, too. If you I were was, local, I, yeah. I was a and Tony too. Another thing, and I would I would take the log too before it was split. I would throw it over my head. You know what I'm saying? Like throw it over, like yeah. a, almost like a keg toss, right? And then you run after it, sprint after, it, get it, throw it over. Yeah, that that's when I was still about pretty. Ja- I was about two twenty, two fifteen at that time. Nice. Um, you know, back, back then. So back then. Cool. All right. Uh, let's keep going here. Uh, if you could go back and do something different, would you do something different? And what would that be? Man, you're hitting me up with hard questions here, Tony. Only got like three more. So I would have wrestled. I would have wrestled. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I, I grew up. I grew up in an area where wrestling is the Lehigh Valley is like the number one wrestling area in the country. Yeah. Right. So if I grew, if I look back at it again, my son's a wrestler now, and um, nice. I think it's a great. How sport, old's your son? Right. By the uh, way, I think my son is fourth grade. So okay. fourth yeah, grade he's, wrestler. He's a hammer already. on the on the mat. Yeah, he's a he's nice. a wrestler. Um, he he's yet to put the pads on. We'll see where that goes. Right when he gets older, seventh grade, eighth grade, maybe. But like, if I had to do something different, and I would have probably been a wrestler, football player, right over basketball. I knew I wasn't going anywhere for basketball. So but you know, I I mean, and looking back at it professionally, where my journey has been like, I don't think I would have done anything different. Honestly, like, it's been, it's been at one heck of a ride. And it's been every bit worthwhile. Awesome. All right. What's your biggest current struggle? Your biggest current obstacle? Something that you're working through right now? So I think it's control the uncontrollables, right? I think, you know, part of me is I'm just wired to, to go, right? Um, that's just who I am, right? You have the all-in kind of mentality, yeah. And you got to be able to, you know, control the other uncontrollables, right? Um, that's, that's, you know, 
wherever leadership position you are within a, within a network corporation, like things aren't going to happen overnight. Right. Yep. You just have to learn to just go in, do what you can control what you can control. And at the end of the day, if you could look yourself in the mirror, I always talk about looking at yourself in the mirror and say, look, I love my people. Right. You know, I, I love working for my people. Right. Then you could say, look, I control that, that, that today. Right. Yep. I control the fact that my people know that I got their back. So, yeah, yeah, uh, and and I feel the same way, and I I had the similar conversation with someone um, pretty recently, and um, and and it was about the control controllables versus non controllables, and I think we're a breed that when we get knocked down, we get right back up and go, right, but sometimes you got to get knocked down and then wait there for a second and look around and be like, how'd I get here? Right. How'd I get knocked down so hard? Mm -hmm. Because I've been, you know, putting all the inputs in the right way, I think, but let me pulse check this thing. And sometimes that looking back is a good thing. Right. And making sure that, you don't just get right back up that you get back up with a purpose and uh hundred percent aligned yes. with what you've talked about so far today. So that's awesome. All right. Um, two more questions. How do you remain self-aware? How do I remain self-aware? Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes what like regards? Uh, self-aware, you know, like how do you reflect? How do you like you, you do your thing and then you look back on it and be like, okay, I'm doing the right things. Or I'm like, Oh, I totally screwed that up. Um, that you look back or reflect or remain self-aware to make sure you're not becoming a, you know, a tyrant on something or you're not saying I got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that's the thing for me. Cause like I have to constantly try and check myself and make sure I'm being self-aware. Yeah. I, I mean, um, you know, when, when you're thinking about being self-aware, right. I, I, you know, I think one thing that mean you don't, don't possess is like, um, being selfish, right? So being selfless is like, I always need to ask myself, like, you got to be authentic and genuine, right? That's, that's the one thing that I will pride myself on this day to today. Like I said, again, like, sometimes I may come across maybe like, I think people can mix passion with more or less, like anger or like, yeah, I don't know, just emotional, right? That's what's hard. And right? say, and sometimes that's what I have to look at myself and go ahead. I was going to say 50% ahead, of the things that like I look back on and try and be like, am I being, am I doing the right thing? 50% of them are based off of a victim like response to something. If that makes sense. Yes. So, yeah, um, no, no, I hear you. Yeah. 
I'll stop there, but keep going. No, I think, you know, to make yourself to be self-aware of what you're doing. Right. Um, you know, there's times where I just, I just sit there and think of like, okay, slow down, Bobby. All right. <laughs> you got to yeah. tell yourself, slow like down. Coach I mean, similar to what say. Coach Kelly used to say, slow down, Bobby, yeah. slow down, Bobby. You got all your ducks in a row, right? How are you? And not how am I viewed by others, but how do others, I'm hoping that they always see that I got the, the best interest of them. Right. Boom. At the, at the for, first and foremost of my priorities in life, I always have the best interest of others. Right. That's what I, I always look at. And, you know, when I'm in my car, right, I guess my self-awareness and self-reflection happens when I'm driving. I drive a lot, right, in my job. And yes. um, sometimes I'm so lost in thought that I'm just listening to static, which is ridiculous. Nice. <laughs> but I, 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 I am a – yeah, I, I, just, I just think. I'm always and, listening um, to music, baby. So. Just, yeah, you're static always listening to the- music. I'm listening to static. <laughs> And people always think of me at work. Um, they, they even comment like, Bob, you don't know any music. Yeah, I know. I, I don't really know that much music. But um, I just, uh, yeah, Tony, I mean, not to get too in-depth, but like, you yeah. know, I, I just, actually, the best thing is, are you self-aware of your surroundings? Yeah. Right? That's what I always take heart in. Right? Yeah. Am I self-aware of putting myself in other shoes at all times, whether it's be putting myself in more affluent people's shoes and how do they view the world or putting myself in the less fortunate and how they view themselves, view the world. Right. So I think yep. if you can kind of create that environment in your head, then you can kind of just slow down, which makes us allow us to slow down and just reflect and say, you know, what is their true view or how do they look at me? Right. Yeah. So, it's like that dog. Long-winded answer. Yeah, no, it's like your dog in the background. You hear What's the, your dog's name? Mighty, he's crying for me. Mighty. Mighty is ready. Mighty he's boy. self-aware. Mighty boy. Mighty boy. Yeah, he's self-aware that he needs. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, last question. What's your price of admission? Define price of admission. Go ahead. Define price of admission. What's your sacrifice? Yeah, what is, what is what price is your, of admission? Go what ahead. is your piece of the pie of, of the cake? What is your sacrifice? What is your mountain to climb? What is your uh, thing that no one else knows about that I need to tell somebody about today? Uh, your price of admission is I need to tell someone about this thing that I went through and it really hurt. And this is my price of admission. That's the price of admission. So, um, my price of admission, right? What is my price of admission? I think, you know, everybody has struggles in their life, right? I've had struggles that are probably not compared to others, right? But if I look back at it, you know, I think people got to really truly ask themselves, are they willing to go 
to whatever it takes to um, to serve somebody, right? I, you know, are they willing to sacrifice so much time, right, out of their own energy, out of their own family time, right, to look beyond their own family, right, look beyond the confines of their own home, to help somebody, right? And I only learned, truly learned that with when I was playing with those brothers at the Naval Academy, right? The price of admission happened at 5 a.m., right? With Paul Johnson, right? Under that, under that, uh, under that first practice, as I told you in the, earlier in the story, right? Yeah. The price of admission was, look, you don't buy into here, right? You don't buy into this thing, you ain't going to buy into this, into the program. You ain't going to buy into loving each other. Right. So get out of here. If I can take that, if I can, yeah, get out of here. Right. Get the hell out of here. Right. That's why I always, I love the phrase play selfless, live selfless. Right. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. Right. We have too many people in these days that, you know, they, think they play for each other, they emulate a brotherhood, yada, yada, yada. Well, when they get out to the real world, yeah. guess what? They'll crap on others, they'll put others down to make a good buck, to make a good living in life, right? Yep, yep. That, that ain't living for others, right? You know, if, if you want to live in a world that's only about yourself, right? then we, then our world won't, where's our world going? Right. Where are we at? Where are we at in this world? It's a bad world. Right. So anyways, price of admission, right? Play selfless, live selfless. And and you better. And just so you know, everybody says, put yourself in other shoes. Guess what? I, will never you may that may be a cliche right you will never be able to walk in somebody else's shoes right yep you can only have empathy you can only help them in life right and i think that's the that that mentality that mindset that it just that's what drove us right that's what drove the navy football brotherhood that's what drove your class that's drove what drove classes to date right prior and now today right it's a true brotherhood but guess what that brotherhood doesn't end once you're out of the academy once you're you know off the football field right you better have it in the military and you better live with it all your life that's true i don't know that's the way i see the world man awesome no i like it i like everything you're talking about so far iron sharpens iron Right. That's another thing I like throwing around every That's now right, and then brother. when when the when the right message is needed uh, with someone's earned that message is iron shopper sharpens iron. Um, and I think that the, I, and I hope that the Navy Brotherhood continues to to grow in that way. Um, but bam. Bobby Mack, Bob McLaren, the club selflessness dude no i really appreciate everything you taught me growing up 
uh, up in naps for sure. Uh, I came into naps, not sure if, if I was actually going to do the naps thing and go into the Navy. Uh, but I think that what you had to, had to say and show helped me actually become and go to Annapolis. And then when I was there, I was there with a really cool bunch of kids that I grew up with in Newport, Rhode Island. And, uh, it was a good time. So, um, really thankful for that. Uh, you being one of my first mentors ever, uh, wanted to say thank you and, uh, make sure you say thank you to Kate tonight for me and for all of us. Oh, I will uh, say thank you to Kate. I'll, I'll say thank you to mighty and right? mighty, mighty boy, sure. my three kids <laughs> and Tony, I really want to say this. Thank you for, you know, it was a pleasure, man. I, I can't say it. Dude, those are the best times of my life coaching, man. Awesome. They really were. Like, those were those were the best times, like, coaching you guys and just seeing you guys just, you know, that's what it was about, man. You truly, yeah. you truly gave me, you know, really solidified what I wanted to do in life, right? Yeah. Still that's to what you're day, doing today, right? right? And it's just awesome. coaching, helping, you know. Selflessness. Kids, right? Awesome people. Cool. Well, dude, it was a good time. I appreciate it. Um, feed the addiction. Feed the addiction. Right. And uh, this is what that feed gold addiction, helmet baby. means. That's right. This is what that gold helmet means. Awesome. All cool. right, brother. Be good, man.